This is the NC Fusion Podcast, sponsored by Wake Forest Medical. Today I will be speaking with Kevin Mincher, founder of Unstoppable Teen. Kevin has served as a consultant with us over the past year, and we wanted our membership to get the opportunity to meet him and learn more about what we've been working on with him. We hope you enjoy Kevin as much as our staff does. Welcome to the North Carolina Fusion podcast. Uh, this is an opportunity for folks in our organization as well as our community to learn more about what we're doing as a club, um, get an inside look uh, into the, the things that we're doing, the people that are involved, the folks that we're working with, so that you have a better understanding of, of what we do on a daily basis at, at Fusion. Uh, today I have Kevin Mincher joining me. Uh, he's the founder of Unstoppable Teen. Um, Kevin has been consulting with our club for almost a year now and I uh, wanted to give our membership an opportunity to meet Kevin, uh, find out more about what he's been doing with our organization and um, just get a, a better a chance to get to know him. So thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate you flying in this morning from England to get here for this and go back. So that, was, <laughs> that was very... Uh, that was a nice move. Um, so, Kevin, tell us a little bit about your background, um, where you got that really cool accent, um, and and just sort of whether it's soccer or... I'm not the one with the accent. Uh, you're enough. the one with the accent. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. So just uh, tell us about where, your background, soccer, um, education, um, and, and kind of where, where Unstoppable Teen has come from. I'll try to keep it brief. Obviously, accent, I'm born and raised in England. Yep. And in the north of England, small town called Doncaster, really close to a city called Sheffield, and for those that know... Manchester it's about an hour away so uh, so I'm up there in the north of England where it rains a lot (laughs) Um, and I was very fortunate to be born and raised in a family that valued sport and education Mm -hmm. so I was encouraged to do my best at both I found a passion for football as we call it soccer (laughs) as you call it and uh, uh, so I started playing that game from when I could walk uh, but didn't enter a team till I was nine and I was lucky to have good community coaches that helped me develop a passion for the game and at the same time I was encouraged to do the best I could in school. So those two themes of education and sport run throughout my life. Uh, I was fortunate to get good enough at soccer to be offered the opportunity to play for a pro team when I was young. Uh, So I went through the academy at Sheffield United Football Club who were promoted back to the Premier League last year. I went into the club when I was 11, they kicked me out for not being good enough when I was 12, they brought me back when I was 13, they offered me a contract when I was 16 to go there full time. Uh, Unfortunately for me, but probably fortunate for the spectators, I had a back injury that ended my career when I was still in those teenage years, but the club were really good with me because they gave me the opportunity to stay there and get my coaching qualifications. So so I took my soccer coaching qualifications when I was around about 18 mm-hmm. um, and uh, I came out to the United States and uh, at that time I used to do some camps in the summer mm-hmm. uh, over here and uh, I went backpacking around the world to figure out what I might do with my life because mm-hmm. I couldn't play the game anymore mm-hmm. and I was offered a, a coaching job at Leeds United which is one of the big clubs back in England mm-hmm. and I turned that down because I wanted to do something else instead and that became Unstoppable Teen and I, I, I set out on a mission to help a million young people get a better start in life. Uh, where I was born and raised in Doncaster, according to government league tables, we were in the worst 5% for almost everything. Mm. We had the worst 5% of grades in schools, we had uh, the worst employment rates, we had the lowest average income per household. People in my community even died earlier than other communities across the country. Mm. So where I came from was far from being privileged and I wanted to do something about changing that. 
Um, and so I set this goal of helping a million young people get a better start. And that meant helping them have more self-confidence, higher aspirations, better communication skills, uh, better health, a better life. Mm-hmm. And over the next 20 plus years, I worked in more than 250 different schools, colleges and universities, um, helping to develop what now is known as the character education curriculum where kids learn what I think are the most important life skills. Mm -hmm. So yes, math is important, yes, English is important and science is important, but there are other things that are as important, if not more important than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I kind of now have kind of two roles where I I help schools develop those kinds of programs. and at the same time, I work in sport, sporting organisations like NC Fusion, but also like uh, Bristol City Football Club, a pro mm-hmm. team in England, where I help develop the mental, emotional aspects of, of athletes. Mm-hmm. So people might call it the sports psychology bit, mm-hmm. but I'm really not a sports psychologist, and I just have a holistic approach to developing young players. So sorry for the That's rather great. long answer to a, a quick question. What, um, do you find that, you know, talk about mental, emotional well-being, um, kind of in your, your uh, career, how have you seen that shift? So, you know, you hear, we hear about it all the time, whether it's um, the opioid crisis yep. or, um, you know, kids can't deal with the adversity that they're facing or, or even fa- families, it's parents, question. right? Well, what have you, have you seen that same trend in, maybe in England, yeah. US, and, and, um, and just speak to that, I guess. Yes, we have. Um, the, the, when I was a kid growing up, teenagers had problems. Mm-hmm. And whether that was because there was an increase in single parent families, where there were more divorces happening, um, and kids were having a difficulty dealing with, well, where's my mum or dad gone, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Um, as you go through the adolescent years, the, the, the brain is rewiring itself. Right. It's a confusing time. You've got all these new chemicals and hormones going through your system. Mm-hmm. That has always been the case. Um, but where I grew up in England with the British stiff upper lip, you don't talk about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we go back to my granddad's generation when they came back from the war, you didn't talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you, you shut it out and you get on. Mm-hmm. And frankly, my grandparents' generation would be kind of laughing a little bit now, saying, you that we have to teach children resilience. Because back then, if you weren't resilient, you perished. Right. You know, as a kid growing up, I'd go to my grandparents' home on the way home from school every day. Mm-hmm. They had no central heating system. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't even have an indoor toilet. Mm-hmm. So in the winter, when it was snowing outside, they would burn a candle underneath the tank so the water wouldn't freeze so you could still flush it. <laughs> and frankly, you didn't want to go down the bottom of the garden in the winter because <laughs> it was so cold. Yeah. So you did your business in a bucket and you tipped it away the next day. <laughs> and my mum, thankfully, it never happened to me, but she talked about going to bed hungry at night. Mm-hmm. I never went to bed hungry. Mm-hmm. So those generations, life taught them how to be resilient. Because right. you had to be. you know. And yeah. then... What, one of the things that's brilliant about humanity is we're constantly try, striving to make things better. Mm-hmm. So how can this generation make it better than the last generation? And one of the primary driving questions that's run through the last um, generation was how can we make it quicker and how can we make it easier? Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go and get some coffee beans and grind those coffee beans to then put it in a percolator and eventually, sometime later, get a coffee. We then had instant coffee that you could put into it. Now we don't even do that. We get in a car. We drive. We don't even get out of the car because somebody else will make it 
from you know a well-known brand, That's right. and it'll pass it to us through our car window. Yeah. So the, the the mission and through tech, through companies like Microsoft and Apple and, and others, how do we make it faster? How do we make it easier? And that's great because now I don't go to bed and it's not cold at night and I don't go to bed and I'm not hungry at night and it's improved the quality of life. But what it also then means is life is easy for our children and they don't have to learn how to be resilient mm-hmm. because they never experience pain, because they never have setbacks, because it's all easy. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's where sport mm-hmm. is really useful that's because you will inevitably experience setbacks. You will inevitably make mistakes in a game. You'll inevitably experience a loss. So it's a great way to learn life skills that maybe I don't get at home anymore because life is so comfortable and so easy. Sure. So one of the things that I find fascinating about today's youth generation is that they are, by most measures, the most successful youth generation ever. Mm-hmm. So for example, they score higher in grades in schools and the tests are intellectually more rigorous than previous generations. Mm-hmm. So what was a grade A on a math test when I was in high school? It's probably a grade C today. Hmm. So the standards of the math curriculum are harder than ever before. Hmm. We have more intelligent kids. So they're more successful academically, and more of them graduate. Hmm. They are more successful um, in their careers. There are more teenage professional athletes, there are more teenage actors, there are more teenage entrepreneurs, Hmm. there are more young people generating an income to higher levels, there are more youth millionaires than ever before. Hmm. They're not just selfish, they're more engaged in their community. Young people raise more money for charity today than any other previous generation. Mm -hmm. So in many ways that we measure success, Mm -hmm. today's youth generation is possibly the most successful ever. Yet they're also the most sad. Mm -hmm. Self-harming amongst young people is worse than ever before. Eating disorders is worse than ever before. Obesity. And you look at all these measures of physical health or mental health, Mm -hmm. and it's worse than it's ever before. The biggest killer of young people today is suicide. Hmm. It's tragic. Mm-hmm. We've never had more access to phenomenal facilities like you have here at NC Fusion, mm-hmm. and yet we've got a generation of young people that are depressed. Yeah. And I'm making generalizations because they're not all right. depressed. Right. But what that tells me is we have to change what we teach them and how we teach them to prepare them to have a happy life. Yeah. And you can do that in school, you can do that in your family at home, mm-hmm. and you can certainly do that through sport. And I guess kind of speak to that in terms of you've already mentioned the the value of sport in um, in helping this crisis, if you will. Um, it seems like in sport there are a lot of stakeholders that have a an impact mm-hmm. on that, right? Because since you've been here, a lot of what you've um, I've heard you talk about is the environment mm-hmm. that we create, right? Mm-hmm. And that environment. Um, is created by different groups of people that all have an impact on this. The the player, yeah. the the coach, yeah. the the parent, mm-hmm. and then just simply um, not simply, but the overall organization and the and, and so um, speak. I guess speak to the um, the roles that those kind of groups have within that to create an environment that is um, allows kids to maybe learn resilience and um, deal with these struggles that, um, you know, on the field that are microcosms of what could happen to them in life. Yeah. Well, it's no understatement for me to say that sport and specifically soccer changed my life. Mm -hmm. It got me out of the community within which I was born and raised. 
Um, and, and by the way, I'm incredibly proud of the community where I was born and raised. Um, I still have family and friends there, and I still go back there all the time. I, I love the place. It was behind what was possible. And over the last 20 years, my hometown Doncaster has transformed itself. Um, but back then, it, was, it wasn't a, a, a great place to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, sport enabled me to travel. So every weekend, I'd get in a car and I'd go and play a soccer game in a different town against different people. And it let me see what was possible. It raised my hope and aspirations. I got to go and play in tournaments in Belgium and in France. And I got to come and coach in the United States and New Zealand. And it was sport, it was soccer that did that for me. Mm-hmm. And without that, I would have been stuck. So one shouldn't underestimate whether it's soccer, lacrosse, rugby, your football, hockey, whatever it may be, of the power of sport to bring people together mm-hmm. and to change lives. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, the key word in there is, is people. Mm-hmm. It brings people together. Right. And I was really fortunate because I, I, I got good coaches. You know, I got to meet people that educated me. I got to meet people that were able to show me a better way than the way I previously had, that taught me stuff about my anatomy, about diet and about nutrition, about communication, about relationships, about psychology, about life. Um, So it's about people. And so whether you're a a parent watching this, whether you're an athlete watching this, or indeed a coach watching this, it's about surrounding yourself with quality people. Mm -hmm. And for me, Quality people starts with not about the X's and the O's of the tactics. It's about caring. Mm-hmm. You know, I go back to my first coach of Dave Mormon and Jerry Clay when I was nine years old. They cared about me mm-hmm. as a human being, right? They put their arm around me. They'd ask me how I was. It wasn't about how many goals I'd scored or how many assists I'd got or what my technical skill was. There was another person in my life other than my parents who cared about me. There were other people in my life who wanted the best for me, who told me that they believed in me and encouraged me to pursue my goals, my dreams, my excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, and without those human beings, I'd have still been where I was. Mm-hmm. And so you as an organization here, aspire to do that. Aspire to get good quality people around young people to give them a role model, a mentor, that happens to be through sport. And I think it's brilliant. And speak to the, um, what as parent, as a parent or as a coach, what role do we play in that athlete's um, ability to deal with some of the setbacks? So, so <coughs> I think a lot of people talk about their successes, like, you know, I, I made this team or I scored these goals or whatever it may be. What they don't talk about is that time where they didn't make that team and that person that came alongside them in that time or talk to them a certain way or to speak to that because I think that's a that's something that we tend to I know myself as a parent I tend to when I see my child disappointed I want to get in there mm-hmm. I want to fix it I want to want to solve the problem and the more I spend time even listening to what you say what I'm reading different things I should probably that's a time <laughs> where I probably should be backing away a little bit and allowing them but I also know I have a role in that so speak to that the thing that I know about adults and about parents um, is that we probably do more for our kids than we would do for ourselves. 
Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll make sacrifices. We'll work two jobs. We'll work. We'll stay up early. We'll stay. We'll get. We'll stay up late. Mm-hmm. We'll do whatever we have to do to help the next generation, our offspring, have a better life. Right. So that intention right. is wonderful. Yeah. It's admirable. It's what makes life better. Yeah. Right. Um, the problem is, <clears throat> you don't make a muscle stronger through a lack of exercise. Mm-hmm. You make a muscle stronger by loading it. Right? And if the child doesn't get to exercise their decision-making muscle, because their parents are always making the decisions, mm-hmm. if they don't get to exercise their determination muscle, their grit, their resilience muscle, because adults are always solving the problems for them, mm-hmm. with best of intention, sure. then you end up with a weak child, mm-hmm. who inevitably, at some point, will transition to becoming an adult, yeah. who will have to go to college, or will have to go into a career whose parents are no longer there for them. Mm-hmm. And then they're trying to grow a muscle in their adult life that should have formed in childhood or teenage years. So creating that space to step back and allow them to struggle is often the best thing to do. So if I asked you, when do you do most of your learning? So my my presupposition here, my assumption here is, is that learning is important, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. One of your values is development, okay? So if... An important part of sport, an important part of life is learning. Mm-hmm. When do you do most of your learning? Do you learn the most when you succeed? Mistakes. Or do you learn the most when you fail? Yeah, mistakes. I mean, we always say that. And most people say that. <laughs> yeah. And yet we're obsessed with trying to help our kids not experience failure. Right. right. And so by preventing them, like, they're not being selected. Yeah. Great. Well done. Now you've got a problem to solve. Yeah. You haven't been selected. You're a sub. What do you need to do different in practice next week to make sure you are selected? But if you keep helping them avoid the pain and the failure, then you don't give them the opportunity to learn and grow. Right. So, and whether that's with an injury, whether that's being played out of position, whether that's missing an open goal or an important penalty in a shootout or whatever it may be, scoring an own goal. Good, well done. Yeah. Let's learn from it. Yeah. I th- it seems that um, that can be done better when we're all on the same page about what this is all about you've got to have clarity and so you know the big thing of you you work your time spent with us yes. over the last year has been really digging down on what in the world are we doing here right <laughs> as nc fusion what are what do we do yeah why do we do it and how are we going to do it yeah. right and I, i've really appreciated that with our time with you and really our whole staff digging into digging into that and now you see it up all over our facilities and um, can you speak to just sort of um, maybe that process that we we've gone through over this past sure. year and, and and landing on that especially the what and the why yeah. um, because again if if the why a parent has their kid in sport is because they want to get a college scholarship that may be different to the why. Now that may be a byproduct, mm-hmm. but it may be different to the why we exist. Mm-hmm. Correct. Absolutely. So speak to that process that we've gone through with you on that. Well, I think if I take it away from North Carolina Fusion mm-hmm. for a second yeah. and just talk about individual people's lives, mm-hmm. um, in life you tend to get what you focus on. So you know, if you've got a specific target, a specific goal, an aim, or an objective that you're clear about. 
it becomes much easier to achieve it. You're not guaranteed to get it, right. but once you have a focus and a commitment to something, and when I say commitment, I mean you shut off from all of the possibilities. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're stating a preference. I'm not saying you've got a wish or a hope or a wishy-washy dream. Mm -hmm. I'm saying you've set a deliberate goal and you're saying, I will do whatever it takes to get there, yeah. right? Now, this is not personal opinion. There's all kinds of research behind that when a, when a human being has a clear aim or an objective, a journey, a destination, then they're more likely to get it. So it becomes important for young people to start making decisions about what they would like to have to or experience with their life. Not their parents deciding that for them, not their sports coaches or their school teachers, or their friends deciding for them, that they have the power and the accountability to make their own decisions about what they want to do. Well, take that to a bigger scale. You're talking about an organization where you've got hundreds or thousands of people coming together. And those organizations, to be effective, need to have an aim or an objective. They need to be clear about their direction of travel. Mm -hmm. And where there is choice, because you're not the only sports club in town, sure. it then once, once, once your community knows, oh, that's what that organization stands for, I can decide whether I want to go to this club or go to that other club or to that other one, because they align with my values mm -hmm. and they align with my aims and objectives. Mm -hmm. So different people then coming back to sport and NC Fusion have got a decision to make. And the age-old question is, are we, are we about winning or are we about development? And I think it's a foolish question because it assumes that you can only have one or the other. Right. Well, that's old, out-of-date Socrates and thinking. It's not that it's black or white or it's right or it's wrong. You can have both. Mm -hmm. You can win and learn. You can learn and you can win. Mm -hmm. Now, here's an interesting thing to consider. In professional soccer in England, the most successful manager in modern times was Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, who retired a few days ago. Would you like to hazard a guess at what his win ratio was? Pretty high. And if Yeah, because he's the most successful. Won more trophies, won more leagues, mm -hmm. more cups than anybody else. Mm -hmm. How many? What percentage of his games do you think he won? Hmm. 80? And you'd guess it like, so, right? I thought 80. So what is it? I think it was 67 or 63 percent. Hmm. 67 or 63 percent is the most successful manager in history. <laughs> we have parents wanting to come and want their kids to win every game. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's an unrealistic expectation. Right. So when the most successful manager in history won 63 or 67 percent of his games, right? Yeah. that's winning. Right. And that's in pro sports where you have to win. Right. Now, if I put a different hat on and, and I go and work with Bristol City Football Club, which is a pro team mm -hmm. that wants to get promoted to the Premier League and the head coach is only ever three or four games away from being fired if he goes on a losing streak, right? right? Yeah. We have to win. Sure. Not even close to 80%. Mm -hmm. So parents and families have to have a realistic expectation and coaches have to have a realistic expectation about what winning really is. Yeah. And then we know, as we said earlier on, that you do most of your learning from losing. So they're important experiences to have. Yeah. So we had a conversation, to answer your question yeah. in a roundabout way, yeah. we start having a question about, well, what is the philosophy of NC Fusion? Is it about winning? Is it about learning? Is it about both? And if it is about both, well, then how do you do that? How do you get a staff, a group of people, to share a common philosophy and then how do you get players to understand and parents to understand so we're all 
singing from the same hymn sheet. So we're all on the same mission. Because yeah. if you've got a community pulling in the same direction, it becomes infinitely easier to achieve the objective. Right. But if you've got different people wanting to do different things, because they're all assuming that they're on the same journey when they're actually not, right. then you lose momentum. Yeah. Then you have distraction. Then you get less efficient and wasted hours having all these arguments or you know internal politics or complaints in the car park or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm when you could have clarified the whole thing all up front by having a clear mission, vision, and value statement that says, this is who we are, this is what we stand for. Yeah. If you want to be a part of that, come on the journey. Yeah. If you don't want to be a part of that, plenty of other places you can go. Sure, sure, that's great. What, um, in your time here with, uh, with our club, what would be things that you've been most impressed with or, or strengths that we have? And what, are, what would areas of weakness and things that you've seen um, really glaring that we need to we need to improve on. Well, yeah. I think we've, so, been admit, we've admitted there. We wouldn't have you here if we didn't think we needed to improve. <laughs> well, no, no person and no organization is perfect, yeah. right? So there's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. I turned up here for the first time. I walk out. I'm at BB&T now with you. I've been to Bryant Park and other facilities as well. And I take a gasp when I go, wow. <laughs> because you have a facility here that is better than the pro team that I'm currently working with in England and most pro teams, right? The number of fields you have, the quality of fields that you have, and you're going, I wish we had this. Sure. Right? And you don't know. Right. Right? Yeah. Because this is normal. Right. Right? It comes the expectation. Yeah. So I'm going, <laughs> you've got a facility that enables you to have good coaching and teaching and learning and winning taking place. Right? So that, big tick. And, and, and that, then I'm going to say to you, as I say to others, infrastructure and facilities, as hard as that was to raise the finance, get the planning from the city, get all the permissions and consents, run the roads and the pipes and everything else, that's not easy. You know how hard that work was. And I'm gonna say that is infinitely easier than doing the people piece. Mm -hmm. So you can have the best facilities in the world, but if you don't have kind, caring and compassionate coaches that that value the, the athletes as a human being, if they don't have knowledge of the game, and about psychology and the emotions of people and effective communication and teaching techniques, don't care what facilities you've got. You can give me a piece of scrubland in the bush or the desert and I'll develop better players. Mm -hmm. So that's that's your next step, um, is about how do you constantly keep upgrading the quality of the people in the organization? And that's a constant and never-ending process. Or as the Japanese would say, kaizen, mm-hmm. right? It's a constant, never-ending process. Mm-hmm. And you're putting those sorts of things in place where you have regular CPD, uh, continuing professional development sessions. You have summits. You, have, you get external experts in on different topics mm-hmm. so that you can continue to educate. And all I would encourage is that not just your staff, but your parents and the kids themselves come with an open mind and take advantage of those learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that instead of one, two, three, four, five, six people in a room, you've got 50, 60, 80, 100, 1,000 parents trying to get in a room because there's this curiosity of wanting to learn. Mm -hmm. And speak to the the value of of feedback in all of them. (laughs) Because, you know, uh, and I think that's really been on your third visit here. Feedback has been... 
um, really what you're trying to work with our staff on. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about feedback as it relates to the player, mm-hmm. as it relates to the coach, and even the opportunity for parents to get receive feedback. So speak to that process that maybe we've made some slight changes, how you sort of tried to simplify it, but yeah. at the same time um, make it match up with what we're trying to do. Yeah. I like to take uh, an evidence-based approach to the things that I do, to the way that I live, um, as well as the work that I do. What I mean by that is um, science and research is informing us more and more each day and discovering more about human beings than ever before. Mm -hmm. And as we learn those things, we'd be pretty foolish to ignore them and stay with old, out-of-date opinions Mm -hmm. about the best way to do something. So uh, when I first started Unstoppable Teen, when I was still a teenager myself, I was very ego-centered and very opinionated about what we could do to fix kids' lives and the education system, and it was all opinions. And I was passionate, and I was driven, but frankly, I didn't have a clue what I was talking about, right? Because mm-hmm. as research then comes out, it then proves some of my opinions were true, but it proves some of my opinions were completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, if I get my ego in the way, I'll start saying, oh, no, those researchers are wrong, they're out, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. But if I can park that and get curious and do the reading and listen to the books and attend the conference and seminars, I go, maybe there's a better way mm. than the way I was doing it. Right. You know, I'm fascinated about people. I, I've traveled to more than 40 countries around the world. And what I find is wherever you're born and raised, you will inevitably be conditioned into that way of life is the right way. That that music, that food, those TV shows, those um, uh, movies, the the clothes that we wear, the religion that we follow, the the, the education system we're in, that's right. Is it? Really? Because if that's right, then that means them down there are wrong. But they think they're right too. So they think we're wrong. Right? So one of the reasons why I want to go to at least one new country every year is to question the unconscious biased opinions that have been brainwashed into me since I was a kid. Mm. And then I go to another country, I go, maybe their food is better. (laughs) Maybe their music's as good, Mm -hmm. you know? Maybe their approach to life. I I spend a lot of time in Spain. They have a siesta in the middle of the afternoon. Brilliant, right? I'll take a power nap, thanks very much, (laughs) around about one o'clock. I like that, right? That's made my life better. So, so, When it comes to school or when it comes to sport, for me, it's my job to constantly keep questioning. So to, to again, provide a long answer to your question, Mm -hmm. the number one thing that that is proven to accelerate young people's learning and progress more than any other technique, reducing class sizes, is giving them actually improve grades in school. What's the evidence for that? We all get set homework, but what scientific evidence, what research has been done to prove the extent to which homework actually improves grades. Mm. Or taking a, a kid on a, on a field trip somewhere and getting them on a bus and taking us. What, what evidence is there that that actually improves grades? Right. Well, out of all the different techniques that schools use or sports clubs use, giving and receiving feedback accelerates youth progress more than anything else. Mm. So then you've got to ask a question as an organisation, what's our system for that? Right. So it's not an ad hoc thing that happens between a parent and a child in a car on the way home from the game. Mm -hmm. But there's a system so that predictably at a certain time, at a certain point, a certain week, 
feedback takes place. And it's critical that it's a two-way process. Because feedback's usually the adult dictating to the child, you didn't do this, you did do that, change this, do that. Right. Well, feedback needs to be a two-way process where the child gets to ask some questions and give some feedback in the other direction too. Yeah. So in coming here, I shared the research. And just so you know, kid, the amount of the average progress that a child makes in 12 months, let's say it's that, that distance there. Mm -hmm. A child that regularly gives and receives feedback that's intelligent, it's, it's insightful. It's not just an opinion, right. but it's the right feedback. Right. They, on average, make eight months additional progress Insane. in the same amount of time. So it's like a magic learning pill, mm -hmm. right? You accelerate their growth. You achieve more in less time. So what we sought to do here is embed a system whereby post-game, coaches can make observations of the things that the players are doing well mm -hmm. so they can reinforce that with the players. So you did that well. Keep doing that. Right. But here's something you could have done better. Mm -hmm. So try and work on this in practice next week mm -hmm. so you don't make the same mistake next time. Mm -hmm. And that the child is then encouraged to ask questions of the coach about, well, okay, you think I could do that better. Well, how would I do that better? Mm -hmm. Can you give me a drill? Can you give me an idea? Can you give me a practice? Mm -hmm. Who, what, where, when, how, why? And then you've got a dialogue. Mm -hmm. And when you get dialogues, you build relationships. And when you build relationships, people feel valued. And when people feel valued, they learn more, make more progress, and whoa, you end up winning. Yeah. So that dual mission of development and winning, not just one or the other, you start to tick both boxes. So, so like anything new, it is inevitable that you'll make mistakes and it won't be perfect to start with and not all the questions will be answered and all that sort of stuff. But one year from now, you'll have a fantastic system in your organization yeah. that will mark it apart from all the other clubs in the state, and the region, and even nationally, because mm -hmm. others aren't doing it. Right. I really liked what you talked about, even sharing that feedback with the other members on the team and then being able to see that. I think you'll, uh, maybe one of your, I don't know if it was your example or someone else's, about a center back who is playing yep. versus a center back uh, that's on the sideline yep. wanting to be in that position yep. and hearing the feedback that that center back received, which you know was you know, turn your body to, to win the ball out of the air, yep. uh, to shield, you know, and then that player on the bench now has just gone, oh, if I do that, I might be able to yep. get into that position. And I thought that was a really interesting thing because I think we we tend to use our feedback in on an individual basis yeah. and instead of kind of putting it out to the whole team so that people can learn from each other in a way. Collective learning. Yeah. And you've got so much power in that. Part of the reason why we do the solo stuff culturally yep. is because we, we, we live in this state of fear right. um, that if somebody says to you, can I give you some feedback? Right? Yeah. When somebody uh -oh. says to you, can I give exactly, <laughs> are you expecting some good news coming next? No. Or, no. So when somebody pre-frames something as, can I give you some feedback, yeah. in the back of our head, we've created a culture of, somebody's going to criticize me here. That's this right. is going to be something negative. Yeah. Right? Well, no. Feedback is information that enables somebody to improve their performance. Mm -hmm. If it's not information that can't improve their performance, it's not feedback. It's right. usually criticism. Mm -hmm. It might be pessimism or skepticism, but it's not feedback. Right. So if you're watching this or listening to this and you're apparently thinking, I want to give my son or daughter some feedback, well, ask yourself, is the information I'm about to give them going to enable them to improve their performance? Mm -hmm. And if it's going to help them improve their performance, by all means, share it. Yeah. If it's not going to improve their performance, <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? That's not feedback. I remember that tonight. 
So we're working <laughs> off that definition with the staff here to say, give them information that is useful information that can help them improve their, and then, because and, pessimists in society have taken over this word feedback. Yeah. Right. Well, we're reclaiming it. Right. We're not letting you have it anymore. Sure. And we're going to let you know that that is just negativity. Yeah. All right? Right. right. So feedback is information that helps people improve. Excellent. Um, so kind of the last uh, last question or uh, uh, something to talk about. I know that in June you spent uh, some time with our Development Academy. And yes. And you took a trip with, uh, with our staff to San Diego. And some of the um, – I know that the team did well. Um, in terms of results on the field, but what just the the feedback I received um, from specifically uh, players and uh, parents of those players, um, they they said it was such a different experience. They've been on development academy trips and um, haven't experienced the same type of environment that you I think were creating. And obviously, you created it. Or we're trying to create an environment that uh, someone like Mark Simpson or Adam Rieke can replicate and uh, continue to do that. I guess my question is, what what happened there? <laughs> why, why are these kids coming back saying, this is the greatest experience of our life? And they weren't necessarily saying it was because we won all three games. Well, no. Yeah. But that helps. The, 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 it, it does. But the truth is that you're giving me some responsibility for something that, that was a shared responsibility, right? So Mark and Adam created that, okay? I, I may have made a few suggestions here and there, but Mark and Adam, as directors of this organization, have created a culture of, of wanting to learn, of openness, of no fear of the consequences if we experiment. And I think this is a really important thing for parents to consider. We accelerate our learning and growth when we're not worried about making mistakes, okay? If I'm concerned about being judged, if I'm in fear of being criticized, I probably won't go outside my comfort zone and experiment with something. Right. But it's when I go out of my comfort zone and experiment with something new that I learn. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's a new technique of a volley or an overhead kick or a dribbling to go past somebody or a, a different type of a pass, or whether it's something in life, of having the courage to go and talk to a new person when you're on vacation that you've never met before to try and make a new friendship. It's going outside your comfort zone, yeah. right? Yeah. Whether it's at school, electing to take classes that your other buddies are not taking, but it's a subject you're curious in, but that I, I'm really curious about music, but my mates are taking the mickey at me and making fun of me <laughs> because they're not into music, and I want to choose that as an option as a class. When you create as a family, or here with, with Mark and Adam with that team in San Diego, when you create a culture, a safe space, where it's okay to try something new, and don't worry about if it goes wrong, we'll learn from it and we'll do something else instead. Mm -hmm. That's what they did, mm -hmm. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. That already existed. So then when I turn up and I just say, try this, they do, because there's no fear. Right. And because they're trying new things that are evidence-based things that are proven to work, then inevitably you end up having a special experience. Mm -hmm because you're trying a new evidence-based technique. I didn't invent the technique, right? <laughs> right? I was just the messenger. Right. I just brought it along and said, well, they've tried this there, maybe you could benefit from it too. And because they have this learning, progressive, open-minded, no-fear culture, they go, yeah, all right, let's have a go at that. Yeah. So we've got a group of boys, you know, closing their eyes together, doing a visualization technique, and nobody's peeking around, are they looking at me? <laughs> what if this is right, am I doing it right? <laughs> they just immerse themselves in it. Yeah. 
And the same with the group feedback, yeah. you know, and, and splitting off groups and saying, analyze your own performance, tell each other what you did well and what you could do better. Mm. So there's this energy that, that surges, there's this optimism. And I mean, I've had lots of soccer experiences and sports. It's up there, mm. right? You know, that trip to San Diego is in my top 10. Mm. That's awesome. You know, that's really neat. So it's, it's phenomenal. I think one thing I want to encourage you, the club, mm. and people watching and observing to do is, give more opportunities to young people to lead. Hmm. Sometimes we think that we need to give them all the answers. Right. In schools, some of the best staff training sessions, teacher training sessions I've seen, have been delivered by the students to the teachers, hmm. saying, when you teach us like this, we learn more quickly. When you teach us like that, it confuses. Right. Please stop doing that and do more of that. And I've seen adults going out of the room going, wow, and there's an energy in the room. Yeah. I've seen children put together a, a documentary about youth empowerment that they scripted, that they filmed, that they edited. And that, that was one of those spine-tingling moments mm -hmm. where you're going, young people did that yeah. instead of adults doing it for them. Sure. And San Diego, with that trip to the showcase with that group, was up there with those kinds of things. Yeah. We gave young men an opportunity to lead to take ownership and be accountable of their decisions and figure out how to improve. And then we gave them the space to implement it. Mm -hmm. And they did. That's awesome. So that's what happened yeah, there. That's awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, I, I honestly, it's a, it's, for me, it's a, it's a microcosm of what I feel that um, you've done for our club in such a short period of time. So I want to say that I truly appreciate it. I appreciate oh. the time that you've spent um, coming over with um, spending time with our individual staff members, uh, groups of parents, um, teams in our club. Um, it's like it's that spark, you know, that we hope we can keep that spark growing and mm. it becomes a fire and the, the culture that we're trying to create of, yeah. of wanting to learn and, and improve and develop and, um, and be willing to think outside the box. That culture, we, we want to we're so happy that you've been able to come and, and help yeah. us kind of get that going and we hope that we can continue to flame you know fan that flame and and that it's going to spread throughout our entire club so i really appreciate your efforts with us in, in that so well, um, thank, thank you, you. For that. and it's, it is reciprocal and it's it's heartfelt i'm appreciative that i get invited here hmm. you know it blows my mind. I'm a kid from Doncaster, <laughs> right? And I get to travel to the other side of the world mm -hmm. and be given an opportunity to fulfill my mission of trying to help a million young people mm -hmm. have a better quality of life. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I can help pass on a few insights that I was lucky to learn so that then your coaches use it and then your parents use it, we'll have this knock-on ripple effect of helping thousands of young people yeah. Yeah. have a better sporting experience and have a better life, Absolutely. where that's more self-confidence, better communication skills, better physical health, mental health, and all the rest of it. So, no, I mean, the thanks come from me you. for you giving me the opportunity, and it's always a pleasure to be able to work with people that have got the same sorts of values mm -hmm. and the same sorts of philosophy. So, no, it's, it's a reciprocal. Thank you. Awesome. Um, at the end of every podcast, I always ask some rapid-fire questions. Go for it. So people get to get to know you best. So yeah. here we go. Ready? Yeah. Favorite food? Ooh, cheesecake. Um, favorite place you've visited? Hawaii. Place you want to visit? India. Favorite coach? Ooh. And it could be your co a coach you've had. It can be a famous coach that people kind of think of. No, I'm going to say my dad. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. And finally, and you've kind of talked about this, but 
what do you want to be remembered for? Hmm. I honestly don't mind whether I'm remembered. Uh, there was a movie I watched when I was 15 years old called Dead Poets Society and the, the mantra that came out of that was seize the day, carpe diem, okay. seize the day. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, this is not a dress rehearsal. I get one shot at this thing called life mm -hmm. and I'm going to have an adventure and I'm going to have a good time and I'm going to try to make a difference in other people's lives. And if I do something while I'm here that then enables those people to pay it forwards, mm -hmm so that they can spread the word, then my life, my time here has been worthwhile. That's good. Thank you. Excellent. Well, thank you, um, everyone, for joining us today on our podcast. Uh, had a great time meeting with Kevin Mincher. Um, again, we will do this podcast uh, in the future, continue to give you an opportunity to meet people that are involved in our organization, uh, see behind the scenes what we're doing. So thank you for taking the time today. Go Fusion. For more information please visit our website, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to this podcast.